And our sermon text is from Psalm 121. Um, hear the word of the Lord. I lift my eyes, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, who, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be to God. God. Let me pray. Father, we are grateful that we can come to you this morning and that we can sit under your word and that in your word, through your word, by your word, you will guard and keep us as your people as we hear it together. Uh, now, Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Help! Help, Daddy, help! <laughs> when Abby and Micah and Anna were little, that cry for help set my daddy heart into action. Abby cried, help, and I jumped up from my nap and ran to see what was wrong. Micah said, Daddy, help me, and I grabbed his little hand, and though he slipped, he didn't fall because I had him. I got you, bud. And Anna said, Daddy, help, please, and I could reach what she couldn't reach and give it to her. Help might be the shortest prayer there is. But it's actually a great model for every prayer. Because in that one word, help, that one word is full of humility. It says, I'm weak, I'm needy, I can't do this on my own, I need help. And in that one word, help, that one word, help, is full of faith. My daddy is strong. My daddy can do it. My daddy will know what to do. My daddy will help. Help is the prayer that God's children pray. Sometimes help is all you can pray. And even sometimes help is not even a word you say. It's, it's a groan that you make. Um, and I know many of you have been there. Help is the prayer that I pray every morning when I roll out of bed. Jesus, help me. And in these days, um, I've been praying that a lot more. Even before the virus came on the scene, there are things going on in my heart and in my life and in our church that have made me cry out help a whole lot more than normal. Um, help is the prayer of the psalmist in Psalm 21. Psalm 121 is a prayer of help. And uh, the psalmist takes time for self-examination. Really, throughout this psalm, he's, he's speaking to himself. 
And, and we need to learn to talk to ourselves too. Listen to what he says. Verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? Um, the, this psalm has been called the Traveler's Psalm. In fact, it's one of 15 psalms that are known as the Songs of Ascent. These are the songs that were collected together so that God's people, as they pilgrimage to Jerusalem three times a year, three times a year for the feasts, they would sing these songs as they traveled. And uh, the traveling was often very rough and rocky. Uh, they didn't have paved roads like we do today. And, and so there was, there was always a little bit of danger lurking, especially perhaps in the hills. So I wonder what these hills mean. And I, as I studied this, um, scholars have different views on what the psalmist is talking about when he says he looks to the hills. What is it about the hills? Um, and I found there's at least three explanations for what the hills are. The first is that the hills are places to fear. Um, there's natural dangers, there's animals, there's, there's terrain that's rough. So people traveling and looking to the hills could fear for their physical safety. But the hills also hid bandits and robbers. And so sometimes bandits and robbers would come out of the hills and rob people so they, could, they feared for their financial security as well. Um, there's all kinds of harm that could hide in the hills. The other, the other idea is that the hills represent the place where false gods were worshipped. We read in Deuteronomy 12, Nathan read it just a minute ago, that uh, people built altars on the hills in the mountains to worship their idols. And so some scholars believe that that's, he was looking to the hills. Uh, is that where my help is going to come from, from these false gods? And then the other thought is that the hills could actually represent the God in whom we place our faith. Because, uh, for example, in a few psalms later, in Psalm 25, 125 verse 2, it says this, As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forth and forevermore. So the hills could represent the God who surrounds his people. But then, remember, as we read in Isaiah 2, that the mountain of God, the, the mount, the temple mount where God's residence was, uh, is also seen. And so it could be that the psalmist is saying, I look to that hill, to the hill above all hills, to where the presence of God rests and where God's people can come and have fellowship. Sinners can have fellowship with the Holy God. So it could be that the hills, hills represent the God who surrounds us and saves us. But I, I think it's all three of those things. For example, for us in our journey, as it's pretty treacherous and trying, uh, we have fears. We too, and maybe especially in these days, we too fear uh, our physical safety. Uh, we fear losing our physical safety. Maybe we fear losing, and some of us have lost financial security through all this. Um, there are all kinds of other fears that are welling up in these days. Um, domestic violence is on the rise. Already France and 
Australia have reported a 36% increase in reports of domestic violence because people are quarantined and they're at home. So there's a fear of violence. There's a fear of other kinds of relational conflict at home when you're stuck at home with that brother that you don't really get along with. Um, there's fear of relational isolation. You're stuck at home by yourself. There's fear of mental health concerns. There's, there's a lot of concern that all this time isolated and at home and away from the ability to be with counselors and therapists and psychiatrists, that folks are, who have mental health concerns are gonna have them even more. So there's all kinds of fears that we have. And when we have those fears, we, like the people in the Psalmist day, are tempted to run to false gods. Um, so I wanna ask us this morning, what false gods do you run to when things get tough? What false gods do you run to to calm your heart, to calm your fears, to give you life, to rescue you, to relieve you? And, and what are those false gods promising us? Um, perhaps this, this time is exposing some of those false gods we have been running to. Maybe, maybe we as Americans, I, I idolize our health, our good health, and maybe our fear of losing our physical health and safety is a sign that we've been putting our trust there. Maybe we as Americans have been idolizing our wealth, and losing that wealth is exposing us uh, to a false god that we've been running to. Maybe we are idolizing our relationships, and this uh, it, this false god promises uh, relational security, and yet nowadays we're, we're having trouble keeping our relationships intact and connected. And, and so maybe it's exposed a false god there. Or maybe we have our favorite painkillers that we like to run to when we're hurting. Um, listen, alcohol. <laughs> it's been fascinating to me how much alcohol has been in the news and how much we will work to make sure we can still get it. Um, I'm not talking about even if you don't get drunk, we can be too dependent on it. And so, as your pastor, I'm going to ask you, are you drinking more than you should these days? Or maybe you're like me. Maybe you're eating more than you should these days because that's, that's my drug. It's food. Um, those of you who have had a, a history with porn use and all this anxiety and stress, maybe that's kind of come back around. Or maybe it's uh, spending too much time in screen time and binge, uh, binge watching this or that. Or I don't know what it is, but we are tempted to run to the hills to false gods when we're, when we're fearful. But it's also true, not only that we have fears and false gods, but it's true that, that the true and living God is available for us to place our trust in Him. He surrounds His people. He saves His people. So as we are on this journey of following Jesus through these treacherous times, I want to ask, when we look around at all the things that we fear, will we run to the hills? to the false gods that 
we trust will keep us from being separated from our health, our wealth, our comfort, our relationships? Or will we run to the one who made the hills? The one who surrounds us and saved us from that which we should fear the most, and that is separation from him. The psalmist uh, asks the question, where does my help come from? And he answers that question by preaching to himself. He says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And who is this helper? This pilgrim reminds himself that his helper is the creator who made heaven and earth. None of those false gods can save us because they didn't make us. And they don't love us. As uh, Charles Spurgeon said, God would sooner unmake heaven and earth than to desert his children. So those false gods, they didn't make you and they don't love you. Your God is your creator. But he's not only your creator, he's the covenant keeper. Five times in this psalm, the word Lord is used, and it's in those small caps. You may have heard this before, but whenever you see it in small caps like that in the Old Testament, the Hebrew word behind that is Yahweh. That's the covenant name of God. It's the name that God gave to Moses to give to his people, to remind his people that I have heard your cry, and I've come to rescue and redeem you. I've sent a mediator to go between and to bring you out of your bondage. I am your God. You are my people. I love you. You are mine. I'm your redeemer. So this God is not only the one who made us. He's the one who redeemed us and loves us. And we know on this side of the cross that he is Christ. And that the God who made us actually became one of us to rescue us. So this God who loves us and made us is Jesus. And as uh, I love what Scotty Smith said, he said, when you're tempted to run from a worst case scenario, heartbreaker of a story, make sure it's Jesus you're running to. And that's what the psalmist does. He says that now, not only is this creator and redeemer your God, he's also your guard. And he starts using this word keep and keeper six times I believe it's the word shamar in Hebrew it means one who watches over who guards he says he will not let your foot be moved but he who keeps or guards you will not slumber he who keeps or guards Israel will neither slumber nor sleep the Lord is your keeper your guard the Lord is your shade on your right hand the sun shall not strike you by day nor the moon by night the Lord will keep or guard you from all evil he will keep or guard your life the Lord will keep or guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. He's your guard. In 2004, I believe it was, Christine and some friends went on a uh, mission trip to Africa, to Kenya, to uh, do a retreat for some Christian African women there. And while they were there, they had the privilege of going on a walking safari. So this is not riding in a Land Rover with a cage around you through the, the desert. This was walking through the desert. And um, there's just a small group of women. <clears throat> they had a guide who led them. And then there was another guy who was behind them. Is the picture up there? There's a picture that hopefully you can see on the YouTube um, of 
the guide talking to a couple of the women, and then there's this other guy standing behind them, dressed in a military uniform, holding a rifle. And the guide explained that that man was their rear guard. And he followed them wherever they went on this safari. And if you look at the picture, you'll notice that he's not even looking at the women. He's looking out because his job was to watch for rhinos. Rhinos like to trample people. Um, and so he would be on the lookout. He knew what rhinos looked like. He knew what it would look and sound like if they were on their way. And he had a rifle to help stop them. So he's the rear guard. And that's what God is for, for us. The rear guard has sight and the rear guard can give security. He, has, he sees things that we can't see and he can stop things that we can't stop. God is your rear guard. In fact, in Isaiah 52, 12, when God promises people that when they return to their land from exile, he said this, he said, the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. So God is our guard. And the rest of the Psalm talks about that. Quickly, listen, listen to what your rear guard is like. In verses three and four, your rear guard is omniscient. That's a big fancy word that means he knows everything. He's all knowing. He will not let your foot be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. He will neither slumber nor sleep. He doesn't sleep. He's 24 seven watching. He knows everything that's going on in your life. He sees what's coming. Um, and he's actually even able to help when you don't even know to cry for help. Uh, our family was with our youth group from Texas a few years ago in downtown Denver uh, working with the homeless and we were at an intersection, a really busy intersection in downtown Denver and Abby was right in front of me and we were waiting to cross the street. Well she thought, you know, the, the light did turn so that we could walk but right as she was about to step off the curb into the street, I saw this other car coming around the corner that she couldn't see. And I reached out and I grabbed her. I said, Abby! And it scared her for me to do that. And that car, whew, And we both just stood there for a minute, petrified. She almost got hit by a car. She didn't see that coming. I saw it, saw it. And I had the power to stop what was about to happen. Your rear guard sees everything. He knows everything. He's omniscient. Verses 5 and 6, your rear guard is omnipresent. He's everywhere all the time. It says, the Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. He's everywhere, but he's especially present with you. He is as close to you as your shadow. And the sun shall not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. He's as close as your shadow, and he's there to protect you from whatever trouble you experience in the daytime and from whatever, and from whatever troubles trouble you in the middle of the night. He's there. He's with you. He's everywhere, but he's especially near you. Your rear guard is also omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Verses 7 and 8, the Lord will keep you from all evil. He will keep your life. Now, you might think, I would love to have a rear guard, a God who can keep me from all evil. But actually, 
your God is even better than that. Your God can not only keep you from all evil, he can keep you in the midst of evil and turn it into good. God is so powerful that he can keep even the things that hurt you from ultimately harming you. Remember, Joseph said to his brothers, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Remember what Tim Tinsley told us a few weeks ago, Romans 8, that if God is for us, who can ultimately, finally be against us? All things work together for good for God's people, even things that hurt, even evil things. So your God is so strong, he's so powerful, that he can even make hard things good things. And that reminded me of the story I've probably told you before about Anna getting her vaccinations when she was a little girl and she wouldn't stay still. And I had to lay my body on top of her little body so that that nurse could inflict pain upon her. It's because I knew something Anna didn't know. As her guard, I could see that there was something that would harm her more if I didn't let this nurse hurt her a little. And that's your God. C.S. Lewis said, We are not necessarily doubting that God will do what is best for us. We are wondering how painful the best will turn out to be. Again, he's so powerful that he can keep even the things that hurt you from ultimately harming you. It may not always feel like he's a loving guard, but he is. And finally, your, your rear guard is eternal and inexhaustible. The Lord will keep your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forevermore. So, neither time nor his tenacity will run out on his watching over you. He is eternal and he's inexhaustible. He's got your back. My friends, you can trust Jesus to be your loving guard because he is the living God who gave himself for you. So I want to invite you, as I invite myself, look away from your fears, look away from the false gods that we tend to run to, all of us, and look to the hill they called Golgotha. Look to the hill where the God who guards you gave himself for you. And the heart of your helper that was moved to save you before you were born, the heart of that helper will be moved when he hears you cry, help. Father, would you come and remind us that we have a helper in Jesus? And would you give us the courage and the humility and the faith to cry for help. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.